Good morning. Who's ready for a great day? I am. Yeah, I, it's a great day to have a great day, right? Yeah. You know, so a little, a little bit of unapologetics. We had a lot of fun this morning. So I, I get in this morning, and uh, one, somebody saw, and they saw me all mic'd up, and I walk in, I look at them, they look at me, and before even we say hi to each other, they go, it's you. And I said, yes. And they say, I'm changing the lens on the camera. So, David, we've come up with our own code names. He's Coyote and I'm the Roadrunner. So I'll just go over here. <laughs> so, yeah, so, and then I had great coaches this morning. I had somebody look at Josh do good. I said, okay. Great coaching, right? Somebody else, I had somebody else coach me, and I said, hey, what do you want me to do? Whatever you want. So I, I didn't get permission to do some of the things that I wanted to do, but that's okay. Um, other than that, you know, today, I, I'm excited because today, um, Chad gave me the privilege to talk about um, God, the, the healer, God, uh, Jehovah Rapha, right? God, the healer. And as many of you guys know, uh, for me, it's all too well. November 8th, 2017 is when I walked out of, of, of my job, right? I, I remember walking and I remember it was like this. And you guys know me, you know, Roadrunner, and it, it was bad, and, and I didn't come back. I spent three months uh, trying to get better. Um, so, you know, Chad, he asked me, he asked me to talk about it. I just kind of looked at him. He kind of looked at me, and I said, he said, are you ready for this? And I said, I guess so. Um, so, but it, it's just, wow, how God works. And, you know, it, it's something, like God the healer, it's something so hard to comprehend because, there's so many questions around it. There's so many different layers. There's so many different levels around it because there's this relational pain, right? Um, when relationships are burdened with, um, with pain and with hurt or um, when somebody, you know, kind of turns their back on you or maybe you lose somebody and it just hurts. Uh, they're, they're spiritual, right? There's that part where you're like, you know, God, where are you? You feel lost. You feel in the dark, um, there's the physical, of course, you know, everybody, you know, is going to, you know, stub their toe or with a, ever worked with a hammer. They know what I'm talking about. Um, and, and it's all those things. Um, but Jehovah Rapha, God the healer, really comes Exodus 15, 26. And it says this, saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do which is right in the eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases on you. I put on the Egyptians for I am the Lord, your healer. That's right. Amen on that one. That is right. So God does a lot of great things. Healing is probably the best thing. There's nothing better than when a relationship is reconciled and things are just fresh again. You know, and, and you all know it. So my wife and I, we got married, and it's going to be 10 years this August. 10 years this August. I'm looking for her. I'm like, she's, here's the family. Here she is. Okay, great. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm looking for her. So if I tell this story and I stop, it's because she's giving me a look. Um, but so we, we first got married. We lived in a, we had a little two-bedroom apartment, and we were still, you know, it's funny when you, when you marry somebody and you live with them, you start, to, you start to really get to know them, and I'll never forget, like, our first real fight. Like, I don't even remember what it was about. I don't, I don't think either of us do. 
I just remember we got home one night and like the apartment was ice cold. You could see your breath, but the air conditioner was not on. That was just the relationship. That was the level that the relationship has. It was cold. And I remember I was stubborn and she was right and I was wrong. And uh, I, but I remember being so upset that we, it was one of those situations where we were in the living room and we were just debating, um, arguing, um, and, I, and I was just being silly and, and had no, really no sense. And then, you know, things escalate and you say things you shouldn't say and, and then later you feel bad. But I remember getting upset, opening the door and walking out and walking all the way down the street to the local Myers. I didn't take my phone, nothing. I just walked right out. And I remember getting back and getting yelled at because I, I left. I, I walked out, and it was just this really, really bad thing. It's the only time I've ever done it, and we've never done it again. But I'll tell you right now that when you're in that and you just need God to be the healer, you know, sometimes what do we do? We lean on our own devices, Right? So in, in the relationship, you know, I'm leaning on myself and I'm thinking like, no, I am right. I can reason with her. I can change everything and I can make it so that I'm right. I can justify my decision. Therefore, I'm right. Right? Or what about, what about, what if it's spiritual? God, you should have done this. I deserve this. God, you didn't do that. It's all your fault. Right? We start justifying it. We can start telling God how to be God. Or what about physical? We, hey, you know what? Somebody else did that. Don't mind the diet that we have, right? Um, oh, no, it was their fault. Or it was this fault. Or it was this fault. Or it was this fault. And, and sometimes we, we get fixated on one thing or one outcome or one reason, right? And we don't see all these other things. Because I got to tell you something, God is the healer, but we have a creative God. We have a creative God. He doesn't always do things how we think they should be done. He doesn't always think in our little box. You know why? Because his mind is bigger than ours. And we can't always understand the things that he has planned. We can't. Can you imagine how boring life would be if the only thing God did was the things that we could think of? Think about the miracles. Think about the goodness that has happened in our lives, in your lives, in my life, that you would have missed out on because you didn't think about that, but God thought about it for you. Think about that. Think about that. So if you guys turn to John chapter 5, verse 1, we're going to go through 17. Mine's a little bit, maybe a little different. I just have a different thing, so just bear with me. It's not too different, though. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, an Aramaic, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. And these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Stop, pause, time out. Something we got to realize, God being the healer is, is this next thing. Is Look, God's in the healing business. God is in the healing business. He doesn't, he doesn't want his children to suffer. He has plans for us for our good, not for the evil, not for the bad. 
he, you know, that's why there's a lot of songs. There's a lot of, there's a lot of scripture that he's going to take our ashes and he's going to take this bad stuff. He's going to take this chaos and he's going to bring structure. He's going to bring beauty. He's going to bring blessings from these things that sometimes we mess up. And he's going to be able to take those and teach us something and grow us. And, and he's going to be able to speak life into us and to those around us. He's in the healing business. You know, this guy, he's sitting there 38 years. Back then, that's, that's a long time, 38 years. The, I read online, I did a little research. That's right, did some research, like a real preacher. Did some research, all right. And I found out, on average, back then and to this day, the average life expectancy was somewhere in the span of 35 years. So let's put it this way. If this guy got sick, or it's, it says he's invalid. It doesn't say exactly what in here. But got sick, he, he, he's blind, lame, Something is going on. Let's say it happened one or two, five years into life. This guy's, wow. I mean, you got to think, and I, I'm just speculating here. You got to think, but if it were me, I'm probably sitting there thinking like my whole life longer than anybody else, and I'm like this. Why? 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 And you got to think, that's got to play spiritually. Why? That's got to play physically. Why? You know, that's got to beat him up a little bit. And I, I'm only human, but I got to think if it was me, I probably would get somewhere in the 38 years and say, what gives? What did I do? Why, God, why? But here's the exciting thing. In Psalm 34, 18, it says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed spirit. I got to tell you, God's timing is not our timing. It's not. You know, it's not our timing. Things that we think, oh, this would be perfect. Maybe that's not really perfect. Back to what I said. You know, we, we think in such a small box compared to God. Maybe it's perfect in our box, but in God's vast ocean of creativity to heal us, it's just a speck. It's just a, a, a speck. So this guy, it, it, I mean, it's been a long time. And he's waiting for God's timing. These questions are happening. But I got to tell you, Jesus found this guy. Found this guy. You got to think, this pool, this pool back then, they would, they would race to this pool. Because when the waters stirred, they believed that the first one in the waters would be healed. Right? If you, lead the, if you read, I did some more research. If you read the cliff notes in your Bible, it says that one of the things that they believed is an angel from heaven would come and stir the waters. And that angel in heaven, when, it's, when the angel stirred the waters, the first person in would be healed. So this guy had it in his mind that the only way that he could be healed was to be the first person in that water. So he was sitting there. And you got to think, they believed this. There were a lot of people there. There had to have been. Had to have been a lot of people there. But yet Jesus found the guy that had been this way for 38 years. 38 years. And Jesus asked him, he goes, do you want to be healed? I got to say, in my mind, I'm thinking like, heck, yeah, I want to be healed. I've been sitting here for 38 years. And that's just my mind. I have trouble relating to other things. I'm like, go, 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 all gas, no break, never stop, never stop, never stop. So I'm sitting here thinking like, yeah, let's be healed. Let's do this. You're Jesus. I'm like sitting here. Let's do this. You're Jesus. Let's go. I'm excited. And you know what this guy says? 
And this just goes to show you, sometimes your spirit's crushed. Sometimes spiritually, you're just feeling beat up. And you know what he says? Instead of saying, yes, I want to be healed, he says, the sick man, sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going to the steps, someone always gets down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. Look, Jesus stays with us. When he heals us, it may not be how we think. This guy thought the only way I can be healed is I got to get down in that pool and I got to be the first one there. And he was so broken down. He was so tore up that when Jesus said, you want to be healed? He said, I don't have anybody to get me down in that pool. How am I supposed to get down in there? Somebody already always beats me. So if, if you want to be healed, you got to think when you're healed, it's about you and God. It's not about you and the other person. You can't compare your life circumstances to someone else. Yeah, they're similar. And guess what? God created us to be relational. He created to share compassion and grace and mercy with each other. So guess what? You got to hug each other. You got to love on each other. But you can't compare yourself to each other because what's right for you may not be right for someone else. And what's right for someone else may not be right for you. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's God's purpose for your life, not God's purpose for somebody else's life that you're going to rent for a week. That's not what it's about. In Isaiah 43, verse 1, it says, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. Like I said, Jesus saw this guy. He knew this guy's been here for a long time. Jesus sought him out. He called him out. You want to be healed. He knows our pain. And he knows when we feel like we've been through something for 38 years and we're to the end of the rope and the candle has been burned on both, situ you know, on both ends and the situation is darker than we've ever felt. He knows. And he's in the business to heal. And he will be with you. Not only will he be with you, but you are his. You're his. He's called you by name. And guess what? He's just asking you, do you want to be healed? And sometimes we put all these other things in the way instead of saying, God, you have a plan for me. I'm going to follow it. We, 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 just, yes, I want to be healed. I'm with you. Instead of saying, I'm with you and, and, and taking the road, we put everything in the way. So picture this. You know, we always give sometimes the analogy of the road less traveled. You got this road. It's really wide. And then you're looking at it. And it looks great. You know, you just jump in. There's an there's a Uber or something there. They'll get you from A to B, right? The, it, it's all good. And you get in the car and the Uber, it's one, of those, it's one of those exciting Ubers. They play the music and sing. And you're like, oh, this is great. You know, and you're Facebooking and YouTube and all that stuff. And, and then the other side you get there and you have to open a gate to get in. And that, and that gate, you, you unlock it, but you kind of have to lift it up and push a little bit to get it to open. And when it opens, you can see, but you can only see enough to keep walking. And you know what? God is just saying, yeah, it's so easy. So easy to look at that gate and say, I don't want to open that gate. Look at all this other stuff. It's so easy. 
But if we really want to experience true reconciliation, if we want to experience the true life of God, then sometimes we have to put that other stuff to the side and say, you know what? It's just an excuse. It's just saying, hey, I would rather be the first one in the pool instead of saying, God, you have a plan for me. I'll follow you. Well, Jesus, incredible Jesus. The guy, here's what I love about this. The guy gives him that and he goes, nobody will take me in the steps. What I love about this is in John, it doesn't say Jesus said, hey man, quit making excuses. Hey man, stop doing that. I just love the fact that Jesus just speaks with his power and his authority, which only he has, and says, okay, so you want to be healed, but you kind of got some roadblocks in the way. Let me just break those down for you because I'm Jesus and you're mine. So, uh, hey, get up, pick up your bed. You got to get out of here. You're good. And it says instantly, like right at that moment, he was healed. He was restored. So it was really awesome. And, you know, God has that plan for us. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So God's plan might not match ours. This guy might not have ever imagined that one day Jesus was going to come and say, Get up. He may have always been stuck with, I got to get in that pool. His plan might not be what our plan is. Growing up, I remember my grandfather always talking about retirement and how he was never going to retire unless he got to Kentucky retirement, which, by the way, is the lottery, if you don't know. Sometimes our plans don't match that, right? Sometimes our plans don't match that. You can't, you can't plan on things that, that sometimes would be the easiest way. You can't plan on things sometimes that would be the less painful way. Because God's got a plan for us. And his plan, it's not for evil, but his plan is to show us how to walk more like Jesus. His plan is to show us how to become more compassionate, how to love more like Jesus, how to lead others like Jesus. Men, his plan is, is not for us to walk through the world and only worry about ourselves. Men, he, his plan is for us to learn how to lead our wives to learn how to lead our children, to teach our, our little boys. You know, if you, ask, if you ask me, my little boys, I'm not raising little boys to be good little boys. I'm raising little boys to be good men. That's our job, men. It's to lead our friends well. It's to lead each other. Ladies, y'all do more than us. I'm just going to leave it at that. Like, I'm just going to leave it at that. Ladies, you're called to, I mean, much, much, you guys, ladies, just... Okay, on a tangent, sorry. Um, but God has a purpose for, for ladies, and it is just incredible. Ladies, you, you women are the most compassionate, the most graceful, the most, like, you guys carry more on your shoulders than I think I have ever seen. I would crack just like uh, one of those little peanut commercials when it's just with the nutcracker. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I just made it up. So I would crack under that pressure. It would be, it would be nuts. It would be just literally crazy. But God has just used you ladies. You have to answer that calling. He's called you to lead like that. He's called you to be you because only you can do that. And if he's going to be a God that heals, you have to let him heal you like you need to be healed. You have to let him heal you with the purpose, the God-given direction 
that he has for your life. And it may not always look like you want. What may be as easy as getting into a swimming pool may be a little bit more of a lengthy time, maybe a little heartache. But guess what? That's what the church family's for. That's why we got to hug each other. That's why we got to come back to each other and support each other because God's timing will come. He sees us. He knows us. He calls us by name. And God knows the healing we have or we need. So it says, uh, kind of after he gets up and gets his bed, it says, now the day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man, who has been healed? It's the Sabbath and it's, it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, hey, the man healed me. The man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is this man? Who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered to them, My father is working until now, and I am working. Look, God's in the business of healing, and I tell you what, he's got the best work ethic about anybody that you ever know. Because I, I love how Jesus tells these guys, the Jews, think of like the head up, the Pharisees, right? These are the guys that like they believed it came from God to them to everybody else. So they're like, why is this happening on the Sabbath? Blah, 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 blah. Little did they know, like, this guy's 38 years old. Like, let's celebrate that instead of something happening. Anyway, so I love Jesus' rebuttal. He just tells him, he says, look, my father's working and so am I. I got things to do. My people are out here. My children are out here. And I have a plan. And that plan will be fulfilled. So, you know, with that being said, Jesus is pursuing us. He's actively pursuing us. So don't give up. Don't give up. Because here's one thing you can learn. 38 years, I don't know how long this guy was sitting by that pool waiting to be the first one in, but 38 years, he didn't give up. He was looking for something. He was looking for something. And yes, his was physical. And I'm sure, I'm speculating, but I'm sure if it were me, I'd have questions. I'd have doubts. And I'd wonder why. And I would bet you, because I know if I, I've experienced it, and, and I'll tell you about that in a minute, but I bet you right now there's things in your life that you, why? I bet you things right now in your life you're thinking, this hurts. Make it stop. I can't take it. I'll tap out. I'm sure there's things that have happened in your past that felt the same. But if you look at the things that happened in your past, I bet you every time at some point, maybe in the darkest hour, God has come through. And looking back on it now, I bet you you would say, I couldn't imagine it any other way. And there's probably still things that are fresh that you're still feeling, this hurts. But I gotta tell you, God doesn't give up. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus 
may also be manifested in our bodies. Look, we're called to be a light to the world. We're called to love people like Jesus. And there's gonna be times when we feel struck down. You gotta remember though, you're not destroyed. It only hurts right now, but it's not gonna last forever because we have a God that heals. We have a God that says, you know what? You may experience these things, but it's by my glory that you will be redeemed because Jesus, Jesus paid it all. He claimed the ultimate victory. So if, if his death is gonna live through us, taking away our sin, taking away our shame, so will his life. And this world's not perfect. This world, this world's not perfect. It's a sinful world. It's just the way it is. It's our job to shed Jesus' light on it. It's our job to be that light in that dark and hurting world. It's our job to do that. And we can't think that, that God's not gonna be with us because there's gonna be some times when we feel hurt. There's gonna be some times when we have to go in and we may get burned a little bit as we're trying to love somebody. There's gonna be times when we have poured out so much love and then things turn. There's gonna be times when we get hurt, when we experience, maybe we get sick and we don't, we don't know. There's, no, there's nothing to explain it. But instead of sometimes saying, hey, there's only one way out of this and that's this, we have to say, look, we know God doesn't give up and we know he has a plan and we just have to be patient. And as a church family, we have to come around those that are hurting and we have to love on them. We have to, we have to create that. That's that unity, right? We have to experience that. And, and speaking of that, it was November 8th, 2017. And I walked out of my store and the next day I had a colonoscopy, which in itself is a horrible thing. Um, but I was 28 years old and I was the only guy that was 28 years old that my doctor had done that had two colonoscopies within six months. Um, everything started in July of 2017. And when I went to the restroom, I, I was bleeding. So I went and saw one doctor and he referred me to a specialist. And, um, and he said, you're young, it'll be okay. You're young, it's just, I think he said, it was hemorrhoids or something. You're young, it'll be okay. And I'm like, I'm a weird guy. Like, I turn red and get really embarrassed really easy. Like, even talking about the Africa thing, I'm like, um, so, so I get in the room, and he's like, we'll just do a quick inspection. Like, uh-uh, uh-uh. He pulled out this instrument. I'm like, uh-uh. If it doesn't have strings or you hit something with it, I ain't, uh-uh. So I'm sitting there, and me, like, I, I'm this way. Like, he's like that, and I'm like, look, I can't leave right now. I'm going to pass out. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I ain't kidding. So we ended up doing a colonoscopy, and, and he said, well, it looks, like, it looks like whatever was happening is going away. So he's like, you're fine. Gave me some medicine, and, and everything was good. Well, about September, things started, things started happening again, and it was almost like they came back, like, full force, um, and it, it was just bad. Um, so September and October, they were just really bad months. It was a lot of pain. 
um, every single day. And it was like that pain that it just doesn't go away. And it's like somebody just shoves a knife right in here and just keep and just twist it. And that's just the way it is all the time. Um, and uh, we had another colonoscopy scheduled. And after, once we, on November 8th is when I walked out and like, I just laid on the bathroom floor. And finally, uh, I just said, Ashley, you got to take me to the ER. So we go to the ER and, and I get there and they tell me the same thing the first doctor did. They, they got me in there. They did a blood test and they did a visual examination or whatever. And then uh, sent me home. You're fine. You're fine. So I was like, okay. Things kept happening though. Like everything was still the same. Um, then I did the colonoscopy and I promise you, Dr. Schmalowitz, this guy is like the Sherlock Holmes of doctors where he does the colonoscopy and he walks in there. And first of all, it was a challenge. He goes, well, I need your wife to be here because after the colonoscopy, you might not be awake. And da, da, da. So then I'm like, okay, challenge. I will be awake. Um, I will be awake. So he comes in there and I remember it because I was, I was going to be awake because, well, listen, if you guys haven't had a colonoscopy, you're not allowed to eat the day before. Like after the colonoscopy, you're going to be awake because you're hungry. Like, come on. Anyway, so I remember him telling me, but he walks in the room and he's like this. I mean, I could picture just like the Sherlock of doctors. And he goes, well, Josh, your colon is really angry. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And he goes, it's not good. So he basically has to get me, he, he has to get, he's like got some treatment plans and everything. And he tells me the big what if, which is like the, you know, the worst thing that could happen. So then I'm like, oh gosh, you know, like, and it's like colostomy bags and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know about all this. Um, but, it, it, and it was just crazy. Um, and the whole time, like during that colonoscopy and everything, like I'm still, like I go home and I lay on the bathroom floor. I get up, I use the restroom, I pass out on the toilet. And then I end up back on the floor. Ashley, the only reason I'm alive today is because she had these soy shakes that she made me drink twice a day. And, uh, I, and I remember her bringing them in and me going, like, to this day, I will not drink a protein shake or nothing. I can taste the powder. And it, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Um, but uh, it, it just got worse. It just got worse. And we were waiting for insurance. We were waiting for all these other things. So we went back to the ER again because it, it was just getting worse. It was more blood. It, it was just worse. Went back to the, another ER. We went to a different hospital's ER because I was like, we just, that one wasn't very helpful. So um, they did a blood test, and this time they, they did some other test, but then they sent me home. They're like, you know, you've already, you've already seen your doctor. You're good. You just go home. And, I mean, it was just bad. It was just bad. And uh, this was November, so we reached December. And in the midst of this, like, I, like in our relationship, mine and Ashley's, like I've always been the, the giver, like anything that I, I will protect, I will provide, I will give. And it was like, it was really hard because the entire dynamics of our relationships, it, it just got flipped on its head. And uh, with it being flipped on its head, um, it, it just, it stressed it out. Not to mention the whole time I did the, you know, the family medical leave from work and stuff. So I've, I've gone November to December now without a paycheck. So the whole time I'm thinking about our relationship, the whole time I'm feeling like a horrible father because I can't provide, the whole time I'm worried about the kids' Christmas. You know, I'm just, I'm worried about all this stuff, stressing myself out and going with all this stuff. And then finally, um, 
the blood just kept happening. And we finally just said, look, I got to go back to the ER. And here's the craziest thing. I chose this, um, the, 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 the pool, the, the Bethesda. The hospital that kept me was Bethesda. Tell me that ain't something. Place of mercy is what that means. In Hebrew, it means it saved my life. How about that? Like a real preacher. Anyway, um, so I, I, we walk into this ER, and I check in, and the door's open, and immediately the nurse, the nurse she's like, can you even walk back here? I had lost so much blood. My, my, like everything was white. My fingernails were white. If you looked under my eyelids, it was white. I had lost so much blood. So she was worried. I was 28 years old and I was using a walker to get back there, right? And I walked and getting back there and I used a walker to get out and not back there because I was stubborn. Anyway, I'm walking back there and we get in there and they do a blood test, and uh, it comes back that because I've been laying on the ground for all this, I've also developed a blood clot now. It went from my left knee all the way down to my left ankle. Um, it was thoracic, which sounded like a Jurassic Park thing to me, but uh, it basically meant it was in the largest vein that is directly connected to your lungs and your heart. So because I went later in the day, because I was not paying attention, I guess, um, the, they had to hold me overnight. He walks in and he looks at me and goes, Mr. Holbrook, I can't let you leave. Uh, my hemoglobin had dropped to six. So that's half your body. I'm supposed to have 14. Um, they gave me a shot in the stomach instantly for blood thinner, which they did taking a risk because I was still bleeding. Um, but they, they couldn't let the blood clot go to my lungs or my heart. The next day, um, and this is, this is where, here, here's what I believe. I, uh, I got married young at 20. And I did a lot of things right. I did a lot of things wrong. Um, the biggest thing that I did wrong is I, I thought I could do it all. I thought I could do it all. I didn't lean on God. I didn't lean on God for my marriage. I didn't lean on God for, I was a youth pastor and I did it, I did it all. And I, that's, a, that's a confession. I shouldn't have done it all. I didn't lean on God as much as I did. You know, and God took something that, I mean, it's a hereditary disease, but we can't find anybody in my family that has it. And he got my attention. He got my attention. He said, look, Josh, you can't do it all. I went to two ERs. They did the same test. They saw the same things. But all of a sudden now at Bethesda, their eyes are open and they can see it. That happened for a reason. And, uh, you know, now for a long story short, I did the ultrasound. The next morning they found it. This never happens. In 30 minutes, they got me a surgery at Bethesda North to put a titanium fish hook in, which they call a blood filter. But anyway, it's a, it looks like a fish hook. So it keeps the blood clots from going in. I had two um, blood transfusions. Um, and then, like right then, insurance came through. And then all of a sudden, everything started coming up. And, uh, you know, you guys were there for me. I went two months without a paycheck. I went hospital. You know, there was a point where they were going to take me to ICU. I went through all that. There was a point where my stepdad came to sit with me, cause, and I'm yelling at nurses because they're trying to do stuff to me, and I don't want them to do it. It was not good. I was having a rough time. And then Debbie keeps coming in and getting blood from me at 6 a.m. in the morning. I don't like needles. It was rough. It was rough. But God, all of a sudden, everything just started clicking. When I finally just said, God, 
it's your way. God, I've been wrong. And sometimes God's the healer because we need him to heal us much more than we know. Sometimes God's the healer because it's not just about an autoimmune disease that I have, but it's about my heart that he's trying to get my attention and saying, hey, look, this is going to affect you way more than that. And you guys stepped in. I never forget the potato soup that I got from Corey. It was amazing. Or the ribs I got. Somebody stopped and got ribs. And, some, and Ron came. I, I, I remember the people that as soon as I could get down the stairs, I would come down and say hi to people. And I knew that, you know, I didn't look good and whatever, but I could remember and just talking to him. It was like the exciting part about my week. Um, but you guys were there. And that's what it's like to be a church. That's what it's like to be the light. You know, Chad has a vision for this church and it's all this picture of light bright and all these lights, right? All these little light bright things start lighting up. Why? Because the church is being the church. God is the healer. He's gonna heal us, but how's he gonna heal other people? So the challenge is if Jehovah Rapha, that's the thing you gotta remember. God is the healer. He's not gonna give up on us. And just like me, it took, a, you know, it took kind of a life-threatening experience to get through this thick skull. But it was his timing, not mine. And what I would say is no matter what you're going through, whether it's a loss of a family member, whether it's a relationship, whether it's something in the heart, whether it's spiritual and you're wondering why God, trust him. Look outside of your box. Don't be so fixated on you have to get into the pool. Be ready for God to say, get up, come follow me. As the band comes up, um, you're gonna have some opportunities to respond. We'll have over to the left and to the right um, communion. So it's just to remember what Jesus has done for us, the body that, that was broken, the blood that was shed just to, to pay for our sins um, so that we could have a relationship with, with God, the God that heals us. There's also in the back offering giving. So it's, it's a way of worship. It's a way to give back. And then over here to my left and your right is a place for prayer. And somebody will be over there to pray. Cindy. All right, you guys got me. Um, but yeah, there's, there's things that we all go through, but we're not alone. We have a God that has a plan for us. Um, so let's stand and worship. Heavenly Father, just thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. Just thank you for uh, being a God that heals and being a God that, that pursues us and that never gives up. Being a God that knows us and calls us by name. And we are yours. Lord, I pray that if there's something that, that's hurting, that we're just, uh, we're making excuses or we're holding on to for some reason, that today we could just let it go. That today could be the day that we seek reconciliation. That today could be the day that we trust you. Today could be the day that we stand up and say, God, we'll follow you. All this we ask in Jesus' name.